Welcome to Your Empowered Evolution, a podcast dedicated to women in midlife. I'm your host, Stephanie Mitchell. My hope is to help change the narrative around transitions we experience in our 40s and 50s. Perimenopause and menopause don't have to be a total pain. We may encounter challenges from time to time, but we can create our best lives by understanding the changes we are experiencing by putting a variety of practices into place. Let's choose to stay strong, to be mindful, and to live our most feisty life. You deserve it. Let's go, ladies. Welcome back, everybody. I am thrilled you're here for today's conversation with Rebecca Thomas. You might remember her. She's been on the show previously twice. She's a thinker, writer, lifelong learner. She believes in resilience and actively pursuing better approaches to meeting life's challenges. Rebecca offers a number of courses online and her company is called Not Another Diet. You can check out her offerings at notanotherdiet.co. I hope you enjoy today's conversation. We talk about trusting ourselves and the ways in which we can learn to practice trusting ourselves if we don't have that trusting relationship already. I hope you enjoy today's conversation. I know it just meant a great deal to me. Enjoy. Hey there, everybody, and welcome back to Your Empowered Evolution. I am so excited to have back for the third time my friend, Rebecca Thomas of Not Another Diet. And I'm so happy you're back. Thank you so much for being here. (laughs) Sorry, I interrupted you. Yes, I am thrilled to be back and talking to you, Stephanie. It's always a joy. Yes, today, our topic and conversation is going to be how do we trust ourselves? And how do we trust ourselves with the decisions we make? in life? How do we trust ourselves with the decisions we make with food, with maybe how much alcohol we consume, everything, like every single thing we do almost every day is a series of decisions. So how do we know when we've made the right one? How do we learn to trust ourselves? A lot of times we have so many outside influences and we feel like we need to listen to social media and we read this book and we do this and, you know, things that we grew up with from the past. But so how is it we learn and we eventually just trust ourselves? I can't wait for this conversation today. That is a meaty subject. You couldn't possibly have set that up any better. Um, Yeah, the question of how do we trust ourselves, that's a fundamental question. And I think midlife is a really good time to start digging into that question because you don't want to spend the rest of your life sort of being drug around by ideas that aren't suited for you or misunderstanding about who you are as a human being, which I think we... Um, innately do. I, I, I actually have a two-pronged beginning answer. Obviously, this is a question that we could spend months talking about, but we oh, won't do that. <laughs> we'll, oh, t- we'll, we'll, we'll do the abridged version today. But <laughs> I think it comes, the, the, the basis of that question, it, it's important to get to the root aspect of it, because I do think we misunderstand ourselves as human beings. And, you know, the, the, where it begins for me is um, the question of how deeply, understanding how deeply we are affected by our environment. Mm-hmm. And because, you know, a lot of the, the solutions that are sold to us about various aspects of our lives act like human beings each live in a bubble. Mm-hmm. And in that bubble, you are either free to make good or bad decisions. But that is absolute nonsense. That is not how we work as human beings. And that, unfortunately, if we keep relying on that sort of mental model 
of being these perfect enclosed bubbles that are unaffected by everything around us, then we continue to buy products that won't do anything, use systems of judgment that won't actually produce better results. So one of the, so I, I break down your environment in three components, environment or your, your physical environment, yeah. your relational environment. So the people in your life, mm -hmm, right. Mm -hmm. And your internal triggers, your, your internal mm -hmm. self is an environment as well. So understanding that you are deeply affected by what is presented to you, what happens in your day-to-day -day life, how you structure your time, you know, these things, you, you aren't you in a vacuum is what I like to say, right? And the decisions that you make about how you uh, lay out your time, about the type of work you choose to engage in, about the fact that you can't say no to anybody and therefore there's not much left over for you in your self-care uh, bank, right? And, but we'll, we'll you know, just for the purposes of this conversation, we'll tackle one that is food oriented, just mm -hmm. because that's, a, that's, I mean, in my program, we talk about a lot of different aspects of trusting yourself, but I think the one that I like to poke the myths and right away is the food issue. Absolutely. So, you know, we, it's, and what's funny to me about environment, the fact that we, we actually understand very clearly that environment has a deep effect on us when it comes to everything but ourselves. Wow. <laughs> Think about how children are raised. Like if they are in an environment, the first thing that happens when you are um, making an intervention in a child's life, if things are not going well, right, mm -hmm. is you tend to see it as a systemic. What happens at home? What kind of food is this child eating, right? Yeah. Uh, do the parents have time to sit and do homework with them? And this is a really good model, I think, for thinking about ourselves. Because wow. who we are today still needs parenting. And it's actually one of the ways that I talk to my program participants about how to go ahead and make good decisions for the day. Mm -hmm. What would you do if you, were, if, you're, if you were a child and you were parenting yourself? How would you set yourself up for good decisions? Oh, wow. What would you do differently in your day? Would That's you a great question right there for people to ask themselves. <laughs> what would what you would do differently for yourself? How would you parent yourself? How would you parent yourself? Would you take on that extra project? Would you bring foods into the house that you are unable to control yourself, which I'm going to get back to in a second. I know I, I touched on food and then got off of it. But the, the thing is that all of this is so deeply interwoven. You actually do need to think about all this stuff. If you, you know, I would, I want to say to your listeners, if you want to make real progress on anything in your life, anything for my clients, it's weight, but for you, you know, it, it, anything at all, this works. You have to look at all of the circumstances that affect you and stop pathologizing yourself. I've got a spoiler for everyone listening, including you, Stephanie. Here's the spoiler. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with you. Right. There's actually nothing at all wrong with you. If you have problems in your life that need tackling, then the way to do that is deep self-compassion coupled mm -hmm. with deep understanding. And why that's important is because you need to be able to be honest with yourself. So I'll put it back in the food category. One of the first things that we do when I try to talk to people about food is to take away this idea that you are supposed to have obesogenic in your food in your house and somehow exert self-control. Well, guess what? You, that's total nonsense. Right. You have evolved to eat sugar and carbs because that's what 
we're a product of evolution, not mm-hmm. our own wishes. That's one of my famous lines. Mm-hmm. And so you cannot be this human being now today that keeps a 12 pack of Coke in your refrigerator. And then you never want to go have that. Right. That's not, that's not how you set yourself up for success. And by mm-hmm. the way, if you were parenting yourself or as a child, would you put a bunch of <laughs> sweets in front of your child and then say, don't eat it. A-? Yeah. Think about how crazy that is. <laughs> right. You're setting your child. You would understand right away that you were setting up your child to fail. Holy smokes. Yeah. 100%. Right? 100%. Right. So, uh, so I, I bust also the myth of willpower. That's one of the, I call it a useless mm-hmm. idea. It's just a useless idea. So if you want to talk about trusting yourself around food, the first thing that you do is not, uh, it's not some Jedi mind trick where you're like, oh, I've achieved some amazing level of deep inner understanding. And I no longer want the chips, the cookies, the pizza, the blah, 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 whatever it is that your trigger foods are, right? Mm-hmm. No, <laughs> evolution is not going to let you do that. What is a much more compassionate, thoughtful way to start trusting yourself is to create an environment around yourself where making good decisions is easy. So in my case, everything I have in my house, everything that's in my refrigerator, everything that's in my cupboard is fine to eat. It's just that simple. There's nothing problematic in that kitchen that... I can't walk in and just eat. And um, it does that mean that I have amazing willpower? No. It means that I've decided that whatever comes into my immediate environment now, as it relates to people, I, I don't let people just come over with whatever they want to eat. No, you can't just come into my house with a plate of cookies. Thankfully, no one really does that, especially with COVID. <laughs> right. But, the, ben- the one benefit of COVID. <laughs> But if you have a, a mom who, you know, um, wants to push baked goods on you or whatever, you know, thinking about the, your relational environment is part of the way that you trust yourself. But I would, I would challenge your readers or your listeners, sorry, to, to do this exercise today, Ooh, Yes, which is lay out how your day is going to go. Mm-hmm. And then if you wanted to parent yourself as you would a child, how would you actually structure that day? So that yeah. child was, it was easy for that child to make good decisions for themselves. Yeah. So can we, you know, when I think about like exercise and trying to get people to exercise, if they're trying to make it a practice and let's say we want to get up and go. Yeah. Is this something similar to like, I, I just want to make sure I understand this and that mm. other people understand it. So I would say to someone who wants to get up in the morning and exercise, lay your clothes out the night before. That get is up, a- have them have your water bottle ready, have everything ready to go that you want to do. You want to make it as easy as possible. Is it kind of taking like all the barriers away the day before? Is it, is it that, is it that easy to think about? Sure. But I would add to that. That's actually the final layer of the, of the good decisions okay. to, for, to keep up a movement practice. I would say a few other things about that. Make sure you're doing exercise you actually want to do. Yeah. Right. So what would you tell your child? Like if you hate soccer, please don't play soccer. If you love cross country, let's get you in the cross country Mm -hmm. thing. So, you know, and it it takes some, as you well know, it takes some experimentation to know what sort of movement practices are good for you, but doing something you like, I, it seems so obvious, but I'm amazed at how many people sign up for exercise programs. They absolutely loathe doing like it, who sticks with anything they don't like, you know? Right. And why would, so, it, why would we life? 
is so short. Why would we ever spend time doing something we don't love? Exactly. Well, because society has told us that in order to stay in good shape, what you have to do is a bunch of stuff that's either painful, difficult, or unfun. So, you know, destroying, you want to destroy the, all the levels of that. Yeah. Right. And so the, the, I like the water bottle thing and the um, mm-hmm. laying out your clothes, but there's other ones too. Um, how far away are you going? Mm. Did you make a plan with a friend and, mm. or, you know, some people like to exercise alone and that's fine. Uh, it, it's not for me to say how best you function, right? It's for you right. to say how best you function, Exactly. but all of these things make it sticky, but I would go even deeper. Do you have a life that allows you the mental freedom and clarity to spend time exercising without worrying about all the things that are being left undone? Right. That's important too. Because, you know, what happens is I think, and I don't know if you can, your clients can relate to this, or you can relate to this, Stephanie, before I actually got into a movement practice that I loved and stuck with before that, I thought of myself as this, uh, I can't stick with anything. Mm. I am not good at exercise and, uh, you know, I'll start something, but then it's just, it's not good and I'll just let it go. And, um, and I, and the basis of that of that whole line of thinking was I couldn't trust myself to regularly exercise. Well, turns out there were a lot of other factors that I hadn't considered. Number one, I didn't make it simple enough. I actually needed to start with something as simple as walking my neighborhood. I love That's that. it. Yeah. Just walk Two, around the block. I was involved in a marriage that was stressful, draining, and totally unfun. And, uh, so I give myself a lot of downtime for that. Like if you, if your life is very difficult and draining, it's actually really difficult to take care of yourself. Like you're probably already doing the maximum you can just to get up every day and, you know, function. Um, I had difficult work that kept me up until midnight. Um, I owned a restaurant at the time. So, you know, there was that, yeah, I was a restaurateur for 15 years actually. Um, which was uh, quite a learning experience, I will tell you. But okay, can I ask um, the question real quick? What kind yeah. of food did you serve? <laughs> it was uh, it was actually not problematic for my weight at all. It was um, it was a high end sort of uh, handmade food and craft cocktails, and we had a beautiful zinc bar, and you know it was like that kind of experience. Oh my gosh, that's awesome! Yeah, it was great. It was really um, it was a really nice place, and I'm proud of uh, the work I did and how long it lasted and all of that. Uh, I just woke up one day, didn't want to do it anymore. It was, by the way, that's a little of the be the plan that you you and Michelle talked about. And if somebody, if your listeners haven't listened to that podcast episode, they should go back and listen. It's Michelle Mercurio and you, yeah. and called Be the Plan. It's a really great conversation. But Thank you. I basically sort of trashed my life and went. I'm starting over. I want to do some things I like to do, which is what I do now. And that's awesome. But like, here's what I love. You trusted yourself to make decisions. And I don't know what, what whispers you heard, what in the universe gave you that. I'd I'd love to hear your process. Like, and and I know this, but this is all about the trust in yourself, right? Like you could have ignored all of that forever and stayed in a job that didn't serve you and stayed in a relationship that didn't serve you. Yeah. And, and that's, to me, that's a little bit of self-sabotage. It's kind of like, you kind of know you're a little bit scared at last. Yeah. We're not doing that. 
but you trusted yourself and you let the things go that weren't serving you. And I feel that in so much of what we have right now, there's a ton of us, myself included, we're doing stuff each and every day that doesn't serve us well. Yep. Yep. And, I well, mean, the I, process I, I is deep and I'm wide. Just as, I, I'm just as guilty. Um, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I have, but we're scared. I mean, for me, I think there's a level of fear. Like, what if, what if I give this up? What if I change this? What's going to happen? What's going to blow up? I'm going to have to deal with whatever repercussion. Yeah. And that's scary. But to me, it's like when you trust yourself and you act on those instincts and you listen to the whispers or you're like, this, this thing keeps coming up and I need to keep listening. And why am I not listening? But then you listen and the things go, it seems like everything's going to be, it's all okay. Yeah. When you start to trust yourself and you listen to the little whispers, as I like to call them, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's all going to be okay. Well, you know, it is going to be okay because of the, of one simple thing, which is that if you have a long history of handling problems as they arise Mm -hmm. and actually making your way through, if you go back and look at your own personal history and see, well, there was this problem and I handled it. (laughs) And then another problem came up and I handled it. And then a third problem came up and I handled that too. Then the truth is what you aren't allowing yourself to do is try and fail. And that's a, that's part of trusting yourself also Mm -hmm. is, uh, and you know, for me, I think 15 years as a, uh, as a restaurateur actually was helpful in that regard, because you fail a lot when you start a business and you need to keep picking your head back up and trying, but part of trusting yourself, Stephanie is taking baby steps to do, to do Mm -hmm. things that, you know, we've talked about this before, but making small decisions that lead to big decisions. What happened when I started this business is that I had had many years of trying things and trusting myself. So by the time it came to the point where I, and I actually did have a fork in the road in terms of deciding to close. I I didn't close a failed restaurant. I closed a successful restaurant, which was doubly hard to do. And I had a lot of pressure on me to keep it going because it was a neighborhood institution and um, it was making money. And like, why would you do that? You know? And I had a low rent that I had negotiated many years before. I mean, all the factors were right, except for a few things. I didn't like it. I didn't want to do it. (laughs) I wasn't, yeah, (laughs) I wasn't that interested in the, in the, in the business anymore. And I really, I had sat down um, maybe a year before and wrote down my ideal business and not the business idea, but how I wanted to work. Mm And how I wanted to work was I wanted my intellectual property. I wanted to be able to work from anywhere in the world so I can travel. I wanted to actually make a difference in people's lives and help them. You know, so actually the business I have is exactly what it is that I laid out on paper a year ago or a year before I started it, you know, but incredible trusting yourself. Also, I want to go back to something you said about fear. And I have a question for you and maybe for your Mm -hmm. audience. When has a fear-based decision ever worked out well for you? It, it never has. Yeah. Um, it never has. Simple as that. It's, it, it's funny when I go back and I kind of look over my life and, you know, you just think about different decisions you've made. I know for myself, for many decisions, I have gone with my gut. And it's Mm -hmm. all worked out. Mm -hmm. Someone else might've tried to say, well, that's not going to work out for you. 
And I'm like, well, let me fail. Let me, let me figure it out now. And by all means, like I've made a ton of mistakes, right? But we're not here to talk about that today. But the times when I made a decision, like I'll give this example at the age of 22, I, you know, I graduate college or whatever age you are when you graduate college, the year that I graduated college, I went home, I was home for a month. I go home and bless my dad's heart. I mean, he's a good dude and had all the greatest intentions in the world, but he had like my resume written out, my cover letters written. And he was sending like all these job, like applying to jobs for me. And I'm like, hold up, homie. Like, this is me. I get to do this. And honestly, I was like, I, I can't, I can't do this here. I can't, I'm never going to get to be me. If I stay in this house, if I stay in the state and this was, I grew Mm. up in Charlotte, North Carolina. And, and there's no ill will towards my parents. They were holding me and loving me and doing everything they could. I made the decision to call my, my now in-laws. They were my boyfriend's parents at the time. And I was like, can I come live with you in Virginia? Which is, you know, Alexandria, Virginia. And I was like, I just let me live there for six months and just find a job. And, and I came up here and within a month, I found a job in the career that I wanted. It was a great entry-level position, but I lived with my mother-in-law for a year, now mother-in-law. And I mean, like, that's a, that was brave on her part, brave on my part, but I got out of what I didn't think would serve me well. And I, you know, this is kind of what I call being feisty, like having the courage Mm. to do the things you want and need to do. Right. Yeah. I like that definition of feisty, by the way. I never quite know what that word means. You know what I mean? It can mean mean courageous. It can mean, you know, like a little bit like, "Ah." but I like, I like it in the sense of having the courage to do the things you want and need to do each day with ease. Right. So that's feisty to me. So I moved up here. It was scary. I didn't know what I was doing. I had like two jobs. I worked at Abercrombie, worked at the Ruby Tuesday, you know, like third shift stock. You worked it out, but, but it was so cool. And then I got my dream job one. And then I, you know, moved to another job and I just kept going and things kept working. And I would listen to those little whispers and we can call it a number of different things, but I think when you know what you want and it feels good in your body and it feels in alignment, that's how you learn to trust yourself. If you make a decision and it doesn't feel good in your body, Mm. you know, when it feels like angst, when it feels like your stomach is in knots, when it feels like you're, you're empty on energy and you always have headaches and you're just always feeling like you're in a tailspin, that's when you're out of alignment. And, and I feel like we're not listening to ourselves in those moments. That's, that's kind of how I look at it. I think you're, you're dead on. And, um, I would say, uh, I think we worry too much about making perfect decisions. You know, a couple of things that come up to me and hearing your story, number one, self-talk is uh, the whispers that you talk about. I call it self-talk and the, cultivating the relationship with yourself, which is essentially the dialogue with yourself Mm -hmm. is hugely important. And Mm -hmm. a lot of people come to midlife without having done that, but you, you, you must do that. You must actually speak to yourself and understand that dialogue and understand how to read your body. And the other thing is if you've made a bad decision and it's now feeling like that in your body, which I agree with you about the headaches and all of that, that could have been the story of the last five years of my marriage, honestly, like, you know, just feeling like that change it, (laughs) just listen to yourself and, 
make another, make a different decision or make the beginning of a different decision, but trusting yourself, right. Is part of self-talk. So your whispers or my self-talk, however you describe that, Mm -hmm. how affirming is it to have a voice that comes from your deepest parts of yourself, actually listen to it and then act on it. What are you saying to yourself and your body about the care that you're giving yourself when you respond to the dialogue and the truth that bubbles up from inside of you and then do something with it? That is, I can't think of a more affirming thing that you could possibly do. I do think there is a sense though, where some people are a little bit afraid to take the step. It's one thing to think about it and to hear the Mm. whispers, but then to act on it can be I think a little bit scary because it's an unknown, right? Well, sure. But what is it, what, whether you do the unknown or the known, you've yeah. made a decision. Totally. Totally. And if the one that you're in doesn't feel very good, then you got to change it. Then you're, you're sort of condemning yourself to, right. um, uh, n- this thing, right? Like, yeah. so, you know, I mean, and I think this is true is a lot for a lot of people, especially women either figure out a way to live inside of what you've done. Right. If you can live with it and feel good or change it. Yeah. But, you know, taking it back to midlife, I just feel like this is such a midlife conversation because if you, if not now, when, right. When you are being, you know, when you are moving yourself into the assisted living facility, is that when (laughs) you're going to exactly like, what are you waiting for? Like a bad medical diagnosis? Like, come on, let's live now. Let's choose joy. Now let's live in a way that makes us feel good and serves us well. Like what, what are we waiting on? And, you know, I read this thing the other day that made me think of you. Um, it was about bringing fitness into midlife. Mm. Um, I'm thankful that I brought fitness in a little bit earlier, but you know, if, if, if your listeners aren't coming to it until now, that's okay. Because midlife is really the time where you are setting your intention for what the rest of your life is going to be. Absolutely. Do you live in a body that feels good to you? Are you moving in a way that feels good to you? Are you conducting your relationships in a way that feels good to you? Are you setting boundaries at work in a way that feels good to you? Are you allocating your time in a way that feels good to you? And you can replace feels good to you uh, in a way like in a way that nurtures you, in a way that affirms you, in a way that helps you grow as a human being. And all of that is actually about self-trust. You know, all of it is understanding yourself and then having the courage the feistiness to act on the information that bubbles up from deep inside of you. Right. And I would like to say to the listeners, you know, I, with some of the clients that I, that I work with and I hear like, they're always really busy, right? To me, if you're always busy and life is full, and that is not, I don't want this to sound like a judgment because it is by no means a judgment. I have been in that space too, right? Like where you're always going, going and going and going. And it's hard when people work and they have kids and they have this and they have that. There's always something going on. And I totally get that. I've been in that space. But what we have to learn to do is to find time for quiet. Yes. We have to build space. We have to learn and not be afraid to let go of something that, that we don't need. And a lot of times what I have found myself included in this a number of years ago is we are afraid to be with ourselves because what if something comes up that we don't want to hear that we don't like, but that's part of the fun. That's part of the journey. I mean, 
you got to deal with that part of yourself. Yes. I mean, there are, I mean, it's an, it's a whole nother episode, all the stuff I've never liked about myself, but you gotta, you gotta be still so that stuff comes up and you can deal with it and you can make space for the things that you want to do. That's no doubt about it. It, Busyness. I I think busyness is the disease of our time. I really do. I, I think it's, really just an extension of the distraction culture and also consumer culture. You know, I have to have this house and therefore I have to work these many hours and therefore I have to have this vacation and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, if working more gets you free time at, at, at a near distant point, then that's great. But if you've gotten to midlife and it hasn't really brought you the additional time, then I would suggest that you might be in a trap of your own making. And the, and to your point, the reason the trap of your own making is really important is because if you don't have quiet time, then the inner voice that speaks to you, you, for you, it's whispers for me, it's self-talk has no room to talk to you. And if it has no room to talk to you, then you don't know what your own essential truths are. And if you don't know what those are, then you will be guided. You will be rudderless for the, this next mm-hmm. chapter of your life. You will be guided into things that no longer feel good to you. Yeah. And uh, again, I would say to your listeners and to myself and to you and everyone else, if not now, when, <laughs> when is the time? You know, I don't know who needs to hear this out there, but all of us are worthy of quiet time. Yes. All of us are worthy of making that list, like what you made of what you wanted things to look like. You wanted to live anywhere and, 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 you know, with, with what you've created now, all of us are worthy of that. And, and I firmly believe anything is possible. I know that sounds like pie in the sky and Pollyanna, but I firmly believe it. And when you're able to quiet the mind through meditation, through breathing practices, through just stillness, maybe you have a a journaling practice or a gratitude practice of sorts, whatever those practices are that you bring in that allow for that, they help you get there. Yep. Um, For me, it started out as a walking practice. Part mm -hmm. of my walking, it, 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 I still, I don't use walks for fitness anymore. I use them for thinking. They're actually thinking a tool of thinking. And it's where I don't put on earbuds. I don't do anything like that. I actually go out with a problem. I used to go out with a notebook and I would write down thoughts or jokes or whatever. You know, I had, I had a period where I thought that it was fun to write jokes, but, um, that's your self-talk. And by the way, if any of your listeners have ever had the experience of being on a yoga mat and feeling very emotional out of the blue, like all of a sudden you're overtaken by these emotions, what is actually happening is your self-talk, your whispers, your deep inner voice is coming up and it is telling you things that you need to deal with. And, you know, back to the discomfort for a second. um, I, I really suggest people sit with their discomfort. This is sort of my final thought on the, on the matter. Sitting with discomfort is a superpower. It's actually the road. uh, The Huno Diaz, one of my favorite authors has a quote, I may have given it before, but I'll do it again. The only way out is in, meaning you must face yourself. (laughs) You must allow for the quiet and face yourself to know what is the most important to you Mm -hmm. and to affirm that um, in your choices later on. And I think uh, deconstructing your life a little bit, not, you know, I'm not saying like pull the, pull the plug and run. I'm just saying, do you have to have a larger house? Do you have to, do you have to do things that keep you from yourself? 
um, and doing less of those and more checking in. And um, to the to your point, the good answers will come up. The good answers will come up for you. And, and I, I do want to share, and I don't know if it's applicable to anybody, but I'm just sharing in case it helps. Um, I like to get away once every other month, even if it's for 24 hours, I will go away for a night. Um, and I, what I want people to hear is that I get that that's a luxury. I mean, mm. but if mm-hmm. it meant going to my parents' house, if it meant mm. going just to a hotel room, just somewhere with a journal and I turn off the phone, mm. maybe a good book because I do like reading and reading helps me. And I'm sadly, I don't do uh, fiction. I do a lot of nonfiction, but it helps get the kind of creative juices flowing. But, but just again, to allow yourself time away. Mm. And, you know, again, this, this podcast is for women in midlife. So oftentimes if we have children, they might be a little bit older. Life might still be full. Yes. There's sports and things going on. But, you know, I feel like I'm at a place in my life. I have a 14 year old and 16 year old. They're at a place where they, I can get away for a night and it's not putting anybody out. Right. Mm, mm -hmm. So I, I just think for people to be able to get out of their environment in some way, you know, like I said, a hotel room, or if you have a place you can go to like a friend's house, you can, that's empty for a weekend, just plan on that so that you can kind of connect with, with yourself. I think that's just like one of the greatest gifts. And I, I do try to do that more often than not just to reset and to that's be a great idea. Thoughts. And I'm going to, I'm going to think about doing that. Although I live alone, which is just glorious. <laughs> um, seriously, it really is. But I would say to your readers or listeners, even if they, uh, even if it put any, put someone out a little bit, I think it's still worth doing your relationship to yourself is primal and super important. Totally. Well, this has been wonderful. I mean, my goodness. And I, I hope to the listeners, I hope that you've enjoyed this. And, you know, if you're working on trusting yourself, I hope what we've shared today in our conversation is a benefit. If you have questions, I will put our contact information in the show notes. Please don't hesitate to reach out to either one of us. If it's reaching out to a friend, if you have a therapist or a counselor, whatever, um, you know, get people involved, have conversations with your girlfriends about, oh my gosh, how do I make this change happen? Like when you, when you start to figure out what it is you want and you write it down and you start to talk about it, things start to work out for you. Things start to happen. The universe is silly as this might sound to people, but the universe is listening. You know, it's, it's going to manifest the things that are supposed to happen for you. Um, when you become clear about them, things start to happen and it's really quite amazing. So, well, I second that heartily <laughs> and, uh, Stephanie, it's always a pleasure to talk to you yes. and thank you so much for giving me the time. Yeah. Thank you for being back. I can't wait until our next conversation. And uh, we just, we always appreciate having you here. So thank you so much. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to Your Empowered Evolution. It's been a pleasure to be with you today. If you ever wanted to reach out, feel free to email me at stephanie at stephaniemitchellfitness.com. You can also DM me on Instagram at Stephanie Mitchell Fitness. I'd love to stay connected. I hope you have a wonderful week. Thanks again for listening.